Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. I am really excited today to have, for the first time on the Spirit of Prophecy podcast, Brother Paul Wittenberger. And Brother Paul Wittenberger, when it comes to the subject of prophecy, his name is a name that you should know. It is a name uh, associated with some great documentaries on the subject of end times in Israel. Uh, the more famous ones are After the Tribulation, also uh, Marching to Zion, as well as even ones like Babylon USA. And so his name just kind of goes along with this subject. And I am very excited to have him uh, on this podcast. He is, uh, I've had several interviews with him on my other channel on a lot of different things, but I'm really excited for the first time to have him on this podcast. And we're going to be talking about his new documentary that he's working on called Temple, but we're mainly going to be focusing on uh, one aspect of that documentary that's really interesting. And this was something that I was not familiar with at all until December last year when I went over there to Israel and we were over there with Robert Cornuke and uh, he started telling us about the true location of the crucifixion. I always believed it was Gordon's Calvary that we'll talk about and I was pretty convinced of that from hearing the tourist guide, tour guides over in Israel. But after uh, while we were there uh, doing the interviews, I remember because I was mainly focused on the temple part. That was the part that I had studied, paid attention to. I had read uh, read some of Robert Cornuke's book on the temple. Uh, and uh, and so when he started talking about some of the stuff on Calvary, I remember when he was doing an interview. He brought up a passage of scripture we're going to look at that when he said something, I remember when he referenced that scripture. I had never thought about it the way he did before. And I remember it piqued my interest. I'm like, wait a minute. If, if I understand him correctly, what he just said proves that Gordon's Calvary and Garden Tomb, as well as the Church of the Holy, Holy Sepulchre, cannot possibly be the true locations of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. And I kind of forgot about it. And I was watching Brother Paul's uh, live stream he did with Robert Cornuke. They brought it up again. And then I was like, that's right. I've, I'd forgotten about it. And I went to go look at it again. And this time, I finally looked into it. And I'm like, man, that does prove for a fact. And if you've ever been to Israel, you are mad at me right now for telling you that those cannot be the location. It, it, it can't. Not if our Bible is true and our Bible is true. And hey, it made me mad. I didn't want to hear it either. But you know what? We're about truth here. And so I do appreciate Brother Paul coming on on the show. So uh, go ahead and uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and the new documentary coming up. And we're going to talk about this subject of the true location of the crucifixion. Well, thank you, Pastor McMurtry, for having me on the show. I am so excited about this topic and for those of you who don't know who I am, I am a documentary filmmaker, and so I spend my life just researching different aspects of uh, topics that I think are interesting, and then I make documentaries about them. Well, when I started researching the, the topic of where Jesus was crucified, it became like a passion for me. It's so, so interesting once you know the truth, because I truly believe that you can know 
the general area where Jesus was crucified. And that concept always seemed foreign to me before learning of a few different things in the Bible that will prove this. And so once I understood this and it just became so exciting. And so now my goal is to make other people excited about this topic because I don't think a lot of people understand how exciting and cool this topic is, mostly because they just don't know about it. And so when you're when you don't know about a certain topic, you're just not interested in it. And that's why I'm hoping that this conversation today will help spark some people's interest into the subject of where Jesus was crucified. Right. And, it, you know, and it, unfortunately, it's typically not that exciting of a subject for people unless they've been to Israel. And there is something uh, about going and visiting the place and knowing you're in the general area where these things happen. And, you know, most of us, we don't have the mind of an archaeologist uh, when we're reading our Bibles we're not really thinking about a lot of the details, you know, as far as like directions that things are, you know, the uh, elevations referenced. And there's a lot of those in the scriptures. And that was one of the things that was really interesting as I'm reading this book. Um, it, you know, and this this book is very well written, uh, very interesting by Robert Cornuke. Uh, you could really and, and I remember from listening to him talk when we were doing interviews with him over there, I realized this guy looks at the Bible completely different than than pastors do you know pastors we look into the scriptures kind of looking for something that'll preach right but archaeologists they're looking for evidence of location so they're paying attention when it says it was you know this much of a journey it was you know this many cubits it was this elevation it was this direction we don't pay attention to that stuff because in our minds we're not even you know we we don't really try to picture the place that much and we don't have to know those things but you do realize as you're reading this and he's pointing all these little facts out that we just read over that's like it's like when the bible is describing this thing these things it was writing them to jews who would have known the places they were speaking of and and which would have made it a lot more fascinating and a lot more real to them in fact i remember when i was reading the left behind series back in the day um, I started reading those shortly after I went to Israel the first time. And I remember being particularly fascinated with parts of the book that were dealing with things in Israel that I remember going to. One of the places in the book is the King David Motel, and we had stayed there. And so as they're kind of describing details about that place, I'm like, I remember that. I was like, these guys actually went there. And so where other people who've probably never been there, they're not paying attention to that stuff. But it made the book all the more fascinating to me. And I do, I think a lot of these things are in the scriptures because, you know, it was, it was just showing the reality to the people that knew Jerusalem where these events took place. But 2000 years later in America, we don't think about that stuff. But, you know, you having been over there uh, and spending as much time as you have, you know, do you think that caused you to probably enjoy this book a little bit more? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I I never picture when I read the Bible. I don't picture. I don't even think about where it's located. I just read the words for what they say, and you know, go about my day. But it, once I went over to Israel, 
you start placing every, every time you read the Bible, you start placing locations. Oh, it's there. Oh, okay. Well, then he would have been up there. You start thinking that way. And then especially ever since I learned about this temple thing, it really seemed to come alive, the, the Bible to me. So yeah, it's definitely makes a difference. Yeah. And those details are in there in the scriptures for a reason. It's just that Bible scholars from other countries, you know, over the last hundreds of years, we've had no reason to pay that close attention to those things because we'd never been there. But those details are still there. They do matter. It meant something to the people they were writing to. And so when you go back there and you actually get to see these things for yourself, all of a sudden those details, they, they do, they kind of become relevant. And the part of this book that I was particularly fascinated with was um, when he was describing the Silwan village and how it was over there and just kind of how dangerous it was and the way the people were and, uh, you know, how they, you can get, you know, they'll th throw rocks at you and yell at you and all that stuff. And it, I started realizing that that was not very far from where we filmed the Bible Way to Heaven video. And I remember while we were filming that, there were like Muslim kids yelling at us the whole time. But I never like, I never felt like I was in any danger. I, you know, I don't think they threw any rocks at us or anything like that. But I guess that's a common thing over there. I probably would have been a little more nervous if I'd have known the reputation of that village over there. I'm kind of glad I didn't know now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, there was some sketchy uh points when i was over there filming in that area and also we had you know we had rocks thrown at us not in that specific spot but very close to that so um me and my uh parents or my dad yeah so it's real uh, you know what it would be cool getting hit with a rock in israel you can go back home and tell everybody got stoned <laughs> yeah they hit there. our rental car uh windshield so yeah <laughs> not as cool I don't know if you get as many rewards for that, but maybe because of the <laughs> Well, anyway, well, let's talk about this location of the cross. First, let's let's talk about uh, let's go to the I want to go to the main passage of Scripture. This was the one that, again, it just it, it blew my mind when he brought the scripture up because I've just never thought of this. But again, I'm not an archaeologist. I don't read the same. I don't read the Bible the same way that they do. But when I when I realized what it said, all of a sudden it actually gave some clarity to a difficult scripture that a lot of people kind of uh, go crazy with. And so let's let's read Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50. And it says when Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost uh, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. From the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and the many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now, I'm going to stop reading there on purpose right now, and I'm going to do that for a reason, because what many people do, they make a huge deal about the uh, graves opening up and many saints uh, coming back to life and then going into the city after his resurrection. And they use that to teach that the Old Testament saints all resurrected uh, at the resurrection of Christ, which that doesn't make any sense. Okay, I, I completely disagree with that. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe that makes any sense, but that's what people 
will teach, but I've never really known how to explain what happened there. You know, it's like, why did the Bible throw that in there? Hey, who were those saints that rose from the dead? Why did they rise from the dead? What happened after they rose from the dead, went to the city? Did they live out lives and then die again later? Or did they ascend to heaven 40 days later at the ascension of Christ? What happened to those people? And how many were there? It just says many saints. Was it all, was it all the saints? Was it just a bunch of saints? What's going on here? And so people, they speculate on that passage uh, because it is a mysterious passage. But that's because they stopped reading right there. There's a reason it's giving this detail. It, it, it's, it's so important that we get this. This resurrecting of these saints in, these, uh, uh, in the graves, it's along with the event. After Jesus cries with a loud voice on the cross, doing the greatest work of human history, he, he literally cries out, and his cry causes the veil of the temple to rent. Why? Because there's no need of a temple anymore. Jesus finished the sacrifice for sins, showing God was finished with that. The earth did quake. Why did, why did that happen? Maybe it was because nobody was there praising God for what was going on. Remember what he said at his triumphal entry the week before? Or, or not, not or less than a week before, that if these people weren't crying out, the stones would begin to cry out. Maybe that's what was going on during that time. And then the graves were opened. And many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose. And I believe, and I think we're going to see here too, that these graves, these are not all graves. These are graves within the area where Jesus died that were within range of hearing his voice when he cries out with a loud voice. It caused them to rise from the grave. I believe the only ones that resurrected during this time were people in that area within the voice of Jesus Christ. And then it says in two, and, and they came out of their graves after his resurrection and even appeared many in the holy city. Now, here's the key verse. Back in verse 54, it says, Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Verse 54 shows us that all these things that were mentioned, the veil being rent, the earthquaking, the rocks renting, and the graves opening, these are all things that the centurion and soldiers who were at the crucifixion, what they saw. That's what it's describing there. It's not describing the resurrection of the Old Testament saints or anything like that. It's describing what the centurion and his soldiers saw. That's what it was. So this, the, the bodies raising from the dead were simply just that. This was a miracle that took place in the spot where Jesus died on the cross when he cried out because this was a great event. This was such a magnificent event. The crying out there, it literally raised the dead. And so now notice what it says in verse 54. It says, now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and, the, and those things that were done. What things? Like the veil of the temple being rent. So if the centurion and the soldiers with him saw the veil being rent, then you know what that tells us? That they were, the crucifixion was straight east of the temple. And that is very important. That Matthew 27 
passage is really the key to understanding this whole conversation. Because if you look at a map, Pastor, if you look at a map of where the, the two official locations of where Jesus was crucified is, which are the Church of the Holy Sepulcher and Gordon's Calvary, if you look at this map here, where they're located, it's not east. East is, is to the right of that red box. That is west. So the Church of the Holy Sepulcher is west of the temple. And Gordon's Calvary would have been northwest. So those two locations right there cannot be the crucifixion site just based on uh, whether you believe that this verse right here, that he saw the temple curtain. So I, I think it's just it's key to understanding this whole thing. Right. And well, and that, and that was the thing that got my attention, too, because I remember when he said that he, he said in the interview, when we, I remember that the, the centurion, they were able to see the veil rent. And I remember when he said that I was I remember thinking, is that in the Bible? I don't remember that being in the Bible. And so I was wondering if maybe he was referring to like Josephus or some other ancient writing. And I did. I just I kind of forgot about it. But then when when I realized, no, finally looked up. No, that's in the Bible. That was huge because I, I immediately thought that when he said that doing the interview when we were over there, that if that's true, that the soldiers saw that there is no way those other two locations can be it. And it also, too, um, even if our location of where we believe the temple is, you know, that wouldn't be true either because those things are even farther in the wrong direction. So, uh, in fact, I'm going to show some Google Earth images here that uh, just kind of give some perspective on this. Let me know if I end up going off where you can't see it on, on the uh, screen, but you can see the Temple Mount right here. And so if this was the right spot, you can go straight east of here. If Jesus would have died out here somewhere, well, here's the thing about this. This is a pretty, this is a pretty wide valley. So they had had to be elevated pretty high to be able to see straight in to the, you know, through the eastern gate and see that east door of the temple. And we do know from the Bible the temple faced east. So this is a pretty long range to even be able to see, which would mean Jesus had to be crucified over here somewhere, not uh, over in this area, which is where they believe it was. Now, we believe that the uh, temple is here in the city of David somewhere. You'll notice right in here. And so if... Uh, Jesus died in the Silwan village straight east. You'll notice this is a much more narrow valley, and it makes a whole lot more sense that the soldiers would have been able to see uh, into the temple and see the veil rent right there. Where over here, uh, and nobody thinks Jesus was crucified over here, but it's hard to imagine them being able to see that. But over here, you can kind of see it perfectly. So, you know, either way you spin it, you know, I hate to say it, but unless we're just going to ignore Matthew chapter 27 and its account, those other famous locations cannot possibly be the right spot. And so an interesting thing about this book, though, is he gives the history of those spots. Gordon's Calvary, that wasn't discovered till the 1800s. And when you look at the story on how they determined that was it, it's really, really weak. And um, Gordon kind of became a hero 
in England. And as a result of that, you know, people kind of wanted that to be the location. And then uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, that's been the traditional location for, since the fourth century. But that was based on Constantine's mom and her visions and dreams and things that she had. And there's just no good evidence for it whatsoever. I mean, you can just throw out this verse and still, based on the historical evidence, just determine that those locations are false. But if you want to believe the Bible, I don't know how you get past the, these verses. It says the temple was rent in twain. It says, and when the centurion saw those things that were done, so when he saw the temple rent in twain, and the centurion was standing right there with Jesus, when he saw those, uh, uh, when he saw the temple curtains uh, split, it says, well, then he must have been east of the temple. If the temple faced east, Jesus had to have been crucified, according to Matthew 27, east of the temple. And I don't know how you get around this verse other than to say it's, it, it doesn't say what it says. I mean, I don't know. Right. Well, and the thing is, too, he gives a ton of evidence in this book for, um, well, for one, just all the sacrifices that they did east of the temple. And not only that, you know, he gives historical reference. There's a lot of other writings. I mean, uh, you know, you know, again, uh, when it comes to all archaeology, okay, Bible's the most important. Well, if we believe the Bible, it proves those other locations are false, you know, for one. But then, two, history. Are we just going to throw out all history? Are we going to throw out all archaeology? You know, we don't do that for any other place, but people will try to do it with the Bible because ultimately what people end up appealing to, you know, when you try showing them archaeological evidence, historical evidence or whatever, they appeal to not necessarily scriptures, but religious tradition. And he talks a lot in here about religious tradition and how powerful it is and how hard it is for people to overcome. And we saw it when we were over there. You can't even get the Jews especially to entertain the possibility that their tradition could be wrong. And it's one thing for them, but when Christians play along with that, I find that kind of frustrating. Right. But, you know, if you look at the symbolism of that, that Jesus was crucified east of the temple, and then once you put put these together, that all the sacrifices were east of the temple, it's like, whoa, that is such an awesome picture of Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. I mean, we know there's a picture of Jesus throughout the Old Testament, but the sacrifices have more of a picture to me now than I feel like they did before because it all points to Jesus that he the sacrifice the ultimate sacrifice was Jesus and he was sacrificed east of the temple right where Abraham sacrificed or was gonna sacrifice Isaac I mean it's all just fits perfectly it makes so much sense once you understand these things yeah well and I got really excited too when in the book he referenced and because we Talked about this verse when we were over there. Hebrews 13, 12 says, Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. And that would be a reference they would have understood. They would have understood taking the sacrifices outside of that eastern gate. They would, they would understand uh, them going out there. They had those practices. 
And what was interesting, too, that he talks about in this book um, is the historical evidence of an early church in the first century that was out there. And uh, and you, I was a day late getting there. You were able to go into that cave uh, that they believe the that early church could have met in. I was I was really interesting. When he was talking about that in there. What did you What did you think of that cave? Are you going to show be able to show footage of that on the documentary? Yeah, we're definitely going to be showing that. So there, historical sources, not the Bible, but historical sources talk about east of the temple, there was supposedly the mother church, or it's a weird name, but it's. Where supposedly the first church started was east of the temple, and no one's been able to find it. So all these years, everyone's been looking, you know, on the official Temple Mount site, basically in the Mount of Olives, they've been looking for this cave. And they found nothing because no cave exists over there. So instead of saying, oh, we're probably looking in the wrong location, uh, what historians have done is say, oh, well, Josephus was just not telling the truth about that. Or Eusebius, Eusebius, sorry, was not telling the truth about those statements. So uh, let's just throw that out. It probably wasn't real. But then when you actually move the slide rule down to the city of David and you look east, well, voila, there's this amazing cave that is huge, carved out of the mountain that looks like a setup for the perfect church. I mean, it's big and it's not a small cave. It's this big, giant cave. That is in the right spot, right there, exactly east of the temple. It, it makes sense. It would have been right near where Jesus was crucified as well. So I think that would have been a cool spot to start the church. If you're a, you know, a, a Christian, you just saw Jesus crucified, you start your church right next to there. I mean, it, it makes sense to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a, what a better place for a church, you know, than the spot where, it, you know, everything happened. I mean, what an amazing thing. That would have been, well, let's, you know, and again, so for, for people who've never been there, you know, you're not familiar with these locations. Uh, let's show them some of those pictures uh, that you have. These pictures really are neat and got me excited when I saw them, just because the problem today is there is so much stuff that's, that's built over that area. You've got just houses everywhere. Uh, it's all, you know, the Muslims kind of have control of that whole area and they've got so many things built up there that it's hard to imagine anything, but we've got some pictures here, uh, that go, uh, way back in time that were taken that it's a lot easier to picture. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you know a whole lot of history on these pictures, but, um, uh, tell us a little bit about these pictures that we're looking at. So right here is a picture of what it looks like today. This is a, even though it looks uh, like an older picture, it's what I took when I was over there. It's, it's just desaturated. But this is what the hill looks like today, directly across from the Silwan, I mean the um, city of David. So this is the Silwan village right here. But if you look here, this is what it looks like back in 18, the eight, late 1800s is this is that same hill. And you can notice there's a little outcrop there, but notice how nothing's there. Even in the late 1800s, there's absolutely no houses or anything. And this is where we believe that Jesus was crucified is right there. Those are the split open tombs that you see. You see those caves and those are actually tombs 
that everyone agrees with. Historians, they all say those are tombs right there. But if you look at them closer, and we show this in the documentary, the, the tombs are cut in half. There's split open tombs all throughout here. And it, it just it's it's fascinating once you look at these older pictures, because now, I mean, today you go over there, you can't see anything because all these houses hide it. But once you look at the older pictures, which, you know, these photographers, when they took these pictures back then, had probably no idea what they were taking a photo of. They probably thought. Oh, this is just, uh, um, they're probably snapping a postcard that they're going to sell people or something. But look, they, they didn't realize that they were actually taking pictures of a crime scene. And that is where I believe Jesus was crucified. I know it's hard to see here, so I'm going to show an overhead shot here of, of, so I can point to it. But these are the split open tombs that I'm talking about. And this is the, the landing where he very well could have been crucified. Now, I mean, he could have been crucified up here as well. Uh, we don't know the exact location. No, I, I don't get, please don't mistake what I'm saying. I, nobody knows the exact location. This is all just guesses, educated guesses based on where we believe that the temple is since the Bible clearly states that the temple was built on top of the Gion Springs and so if you go, and the Gion Springs doesn't go very long. So if you go east of where the Gion Springs were, that is the Silwan Village, which the Silwan Village is really just an extension of the Mount of Olives. And so um, a lot of things in the Bible happened on the Mount of Olives. And if you go back to Abraham and Isaac, uh, when when uh, they that happened on the Mount of Olives, right there in uh, the land of Moriah, um, on the on one of the mountains of Moriah, more than likely happened right there where we believe Jesus was crucified, right there in the Silwan village. Right, and I it's hard to I, I can imagine, and it seems very likely that the place where God would have had Abraham sacrifice Isaac would be the spot where the sacrifice of his son would take place, and. Uh, it, it didn't happen on Mount Moriah, you know, which Mount Moriah is what they'll call the Temple Mount. But it said in the land of Moriah, he told him to go to the land of Moriah and, and he was going to go to a place where God would tell him. It just makes sense that the place God would send him would be the place where Jesus is going to die on the cross. And I, I want to go back to Google Earth, too, because uh, there's one other thing I wanted to show everybody on here that I think is really interesting if you look on Google Earth, so we know that the Bible talks about how when Jesus comes back, he's going to step his foot on the Mount of Olives and it's going to split in two and it's going to go to the north and the south. So I don't know if you can see my cursor on here. No, you can't. But um, right there, you can see the city of David here. You got the Temple Mount. So when the Temple, when it, the Mount of Olives splits in half, it's going to go. The canyon will go east to west, and it says it's going to go to the Great Sea. There's the Mediterranean Sea over there, and it talks about the Hinder Sea or the Dead Sea, and the Bible talks about the waters of the Dead Sea being healed. So we can go on here, and you can see perfectly how the splitting of the Mount of Olives and that Great Valley being formed, how the waters of the Mediterranean would heal the waters of the Dead Sea, and they'll be casting their nets on there again. So just a really neat 
thing to look at and imagine. And all of that is, you know, it's all going to take place and go down somewhere very close to that general area. So, you know, people have been fascinated with this for a long time. And the Bible does give more details than we realize about a lot of these locations. And that's one of the things that just kind of blew me away. And I'm reading this book. I'm like, Robert Cornuke read he he reads different than a pastor on that we're always looking for the doctrinal things and the you know the good sermon material you know he as an archaeologist is he's paying attention to those details and so when it talks about them coming the soldiers running down the steps to the temple you know we don't pay attention to that but they do which tells us that the soldiers were above the temple which is how it is today where the old city is above the city of David, but, um, you know, and there isn't anything above the, you know, the traditional temple Mount. So it's just all super interesting stuff. So yeah, those pictures though, those are fascinating to me. Yeah. I, one thing I want to show, if you could go full screen on me real quick, I wanted to show, um, these sacrifices because I think this is just so incredibly interesting Women who are accused of adultery were taken to judgment before the Lord at the east entrance of the sanctuary. Aaron's two sons were judged before the Lord east of the sanctuary. Korah and, and his Levites were given their punishment east of the tabernacle. Sin offerings of the bull and goat of the Day of Atonement were made east of the temple and burned to ashes. The scapegoat was led into the wilderness east of Jerusalem. The ashes of the Rev Heifer were burnt east of the temple. So, I mean, when you think about these sacrifices and how literally almost every single one of them happened east of the temple, it makes complete and utter sense that that Jesus would also be sacrificed east of the temple. And then when you go east of the temple, you see today, these are all the split open tombs. So the, if the temple is in the city of David right here, this is east of the temple. So it would have been right there in the Silwan village. And what do we find? Well, this is what it looks like today. Those are the split open tombs. And you can see these are pictures in the Silwan village today, what it looks like. And these are tombs that are over there that are cut directly in half. And so it's super interesting once you look at this stuff. And there's an artist that kind of drew this. This is where the body would lay, you know, right, right here. And half of that's broken off. So why did this break off? Well, it, there could be a number of reasons why it's broken off. But if you think about what the if you believe what the Bible says and how the tombs are split open, then uh, it makes you wonder if this was literally the place. Now, if you look here, these are chisel marks. So this is where they chiseled out uh, the tomb. But uh, I'm sorry, these are chisel marks. But then there's no chisel marks in the other spot. So, again, look at this. I think this is a really good... Uh, this is just an artist drawing in this, but this is where it would have been. Notice how it's split in half, and you can see where the rocks just broke off here. There's no chisel marks. There's chisel marks all through here because that's where they carved them out, but there's no chisel marks here where it's split right off, which is really, really interesting in my opinion. Yes, and so, again, even if we haven't convinced you of the – uh, temple location, without a doubt, this should convince you that the uh, Gordon's Calvary and Garden Tomb, Church of the Holy Sepulchre, those are not the real places. 
And you know what? That stinks because all of a sudden, this epic picture is not as epic anymore because, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> that's just not it. It still that's... is epic. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> But and, and, you know, the thing is, too, when we were there, when we were there this last year, um, I mean, I, I was excited to be back there. But at the same time, too, it just I wasn't near as excited at the tomb because I just I knew I knew in my heart, even though I still didn't know all this stuff yet about the, um, you know, about things being east of the temple. I was just pretty sure with that temple location being wrong that that wasn't it. So yeah. I probably don't look as excited here as I did, you know, in the first one. But uh, that's just because, you know, I got a uh, little too much truth. But and, and we did. We've ruined a lot of people's pictures talking about this. Um, you know, there's probably a lot of tour groups, guides that are they're going to get mad when they listen to what we're saying. But you guys, you, you can't get around that verse in Matthew 27. And I think if, if, if you really are sure, you know, I'm sure there's other sources too, but go, he talks about the history of those other locations. You know, you're just, you're getting sold a bill of goods there. And I think it's important to talk about this stuff too, because um, every, every prophecy guru in the Christian world, every prophecy guru has been to Israel and they all have been influenced by the things that they've been told over there. They're all pushing a lot of the, the Jewish fables and things, a lot of stuff. And they need, and people need to realize that, Hey, we're being lied to by these people on literally everything. I mean, they're just literally everything they're making merchandise. And so, you know, I, I think this documentary, I'm hoping what it will do. I don't want to, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't just make people like, Oh, we don't know nothing. But I'm hoping it'll just make people um, not trust everything that, you know, these people are saying based on their traditions, you know, who reject Christ. I think that's ridiculous. And uh, it said, and, you know, and the other thing, too, I, I just remember I was looking at uh, I was looking at one of the pictures. One of those pictures. Specifically, you can kind of see part of the city of David. And what's so interesting about it, it is nothing but a heap. It's a it's a rocky heap, which is exactly what was prophesied. It said Zion will become heaps and dens of dragons. And that is I mean, today there's all this stuff built there. But just 100 years ago, it was still heaps, dens of dragons. And it, it's, it's just amazing how yeah. accurate the Bible is. Well, we actually interviewed the the main person that did the the excavation in the city of David. His name is Ronnie Reich, who is the lead archaeologist in this uh, whole thing. And he said they had to dig through so many layers of just trash and debris to get down to the city of David because it was it was just a landfill. They literally, when the Bible says that. The temple was plowed over like a field. It was literally, and then and then they dis they disgraced it by just putting all their trash there in later in later uh, time periods. But 
I feel like some people are still going to walk away and be like, well, how do we know it's east? How do we know it's east of the temple? How do we know that the temple faced east? Well, the temple facing east is not really a disputed um, fact. Most everyone will agree. I've never heard anyone disagree with the fact that the temple was faced east. But I think that a couple verses could just prove it to you. In Numbers 3.38, it talks about the tabernacle. And it says, but those that encamp before the tabernacle toward the east, even before the tabernacle, the congregation eastward shall be Moses and Aaron and his sons, keeping the charge of the sanctuary for the charge of the children of Israel. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. It's, it's so weird how the, why would God add that it's east and eastward? Like, it seems like a, uh, uh, an extra part that doesn't make any... Why does it matter if it's east? Who cares? Like, why did God add that in there? Why did he tell us what direction they were facing? Yeah, this has always been understood, too, because uh, most cemeteries, the graves typically face east as well, just because, you know, it's believed that when Christ returns, he's going to come back in the eastern sky. There's a lot of songs that talk about that, too. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of yeah, it's just it's it's not a disputed fact. That's why that's why, you know, Gordon's Calvary and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, there's absolutely no way whether we're right or wrong about the Temple Mount. If the Jews are right about the Temple Mount, then Gordon's Calvary and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre are false. If we're right, they're false. There there's no scenario, there's no one teaching anything about the temple that would make those places legit. They're, they're absolutely not. And so, um, you know, people do need to be woke up on this. And I do. I, I think it's I think it's important stuff. And, um, you know, I this it. But it does. It is. It, it's disappointing when you find these things out. But. I'm fine with being dis. I would rather be disappointed with the truth, you know, than pleased with a lie. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I want to know the truth in these sayings. I think, you know, when you go over there, it makes so much more sense and it becomes alive. The Bible becomes alive to you. And you know what? It, a lot of people are like, they still don't care. It's just like, well, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But I, you know, these kind of things can help get someone excited about the Bible again that maybe is not really excited. Some people are more into archaeology, so it can be used as uh, a tool to, to get people, you know, back back excited again. Yeah, it's it's definitely not an interest for everyone, but it definitely is with me. And, and I think this, too, could possibly spark some interest with people. And I tell you what, you know, just, man, I, I've been hoping to go back to uh, Jerusalem in December. I'm really wanting to try doing a trip, a short trip there. But um, after reading this book, man, I, I want to get back over there so bad. Because the more I learn about the place, it's just um, the more fascinated I am with everything. And I am, uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing stopping me is money. <laughs> it's just, that's all, you know, because it's it, it can add up. But I'm pretty sure I know how to do the cheapest possible Drew, you know, three, four day, three night trip to Jerusalem. I, I'm just, I'm trying, I've been watching plane ticket prices and stuff. And uh, that's the most expensive part. I think I can do the rest dirt cheap. I was planning on going over there with both my boys. Uh, but 
One just got married. I might just take one of them. I don't want us to all go die over there and then wipe out the family name. So I, I might try. I, I might just take one this year and another one the next year. But uh, maybe take some other pastors with me over there. And I got a lot of stuff I'd like to film, videos I'd like to make. But uh, but yeah, but those of you who are interested in this, man, get behind supporting this film. I will leave a link in the description for where you can donate to this documentary. Uh, if you're interested in it too, go uh, go buy this book. You can buy it on Brother Paul's uh, website and support this work he's doing. Somebody give him a whole bunch of money to s speed him up on the process too. It's coming along. I It's coming along really nice. I have more than an hour of it edited. So I am doing, and you're in it quite a bit, Pastor, so you'll be happy with it. Um, Man, no, if, if I had the dough, I'd give it to you to... <laughs> you, look, look, I, I just want to plead with people. Guys, you are going to love this film. I, I don't think a lot of people understand how cool it's going to be yet. But I think once you see it, you'll be like, oh, I see why he was excited about this topic. It is such a fascinating topic to realize that the Bible is true. And once you, you know, when you look at the Bible and then look at our, it all kind of lines up. And then once you realize that it just, the Bible becomes alive to you. And I think that that's what this is going to do is it's going to encourage people to just read their Bible and love God more because, you know, his prophecies are true. His word is true. And that's what we proved that the temple was plowed over like a field. So the, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, that is not the place of the temple. We, we prove that the, you know, the temple was in a certain spot, in a certain general area. We don't know the exact location of things. We don't know the general exact location where Christ was crucified. We're not acting like we do. But we do know for sure it was not at the Temple Mount where it is today because that was the Roman fortress, which was what we believe. And so I really hope you research these sayings. Go support the film. Donate to it if you can. Uh, get a copy of these books from FramingTheWorld.com. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on the, the, the show today, Pastor. Yeah, I appreciate. I definitely appreciate you coming on. And, yeah, one of the things that he mentioned in, towards the end of this book that I like, too, is about how, uh, you know, these places, while obviously they, you know, we'd special, we have in high regard, we don't worship these things. We don't have to have these things. We don't have to know exactly where Jesus died. We have the word of God that tells us he died. We don't have to find the tomb. In fact, if we did, people probably would worship those things. Proof of that is go over to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and watch what's going on over there. And But if, if people can learn anything, this is what I think is really important for people to learn from this documentary. And I know when we were filming it, you know, it's, it's hard to know where everything's going to go. And I, I don't know, you know, ultimately what you're going to end up doing it. But my hope, if, if people can learn anything from this, is they will learn and understand just how finished Jesus was with the temple, with Jerusalem, you know, with those sacrifices and things. Because we are seeing a growing movement in Christianity of people going what they call back to their Hebrew roots. And I think I think this Hebrew root stuff is very dangerous. I think it is uh, it is very heretical to go back to all these things to go. It's going backwards. These things were pointing people to Christ. Christ came and 
to see Christians getting drawn back into that stuff and just fascinated with the people, the language, the land. I mean, you've got people, you know, trying to use all the Hebrew terms and names of God and all that. All of that, I think, is a huge distraction, calling people back to the law. I think it's Judaizing, just like Paul dealt with in his day. And Paul rebuked that stuff sharply. And I believe God got rid of the temple and let those things be hid for the last 2,000 years for a reason. He does not want us going back to those things. But I do believe in the end, we are going to see a big movement towards that because I believe that's what's going to be going on with the Antichrist. And so hopefully uh, people can get that message from this film. Awesome. But yeah, so Willa, anyway, again, I appreciate you coming on here. And folks, if you can uh, be a part of this project, make sure you go and donate, support Brother Paul and what he's doing and and pray for this. Pray that it will, um, we can get some of the right people behind it and stuff too to just really get this out there in a big way. And I hope we can send uh, just a good, uh, strong message. Jesus is better. That is the theme of Hebrews. Jesus is better than the temple. He's better than the sacrifices. The new covenant is better than the old covenant. And so, anyway, I appreciate everyone watching this. And we will see you all next time. God bless.